I'm Kwame Alexander, and this is a podcast based on a memoir that I wrote. It's not a traditional memoir where I gather together all the things that have made a life out of me. It's a collection of snapshots of a man remembering all the ways that I've loved and wanting to share everything he's learned about love, which ain't a whole lot, with his daughters. This podcast is a poet grappling with marriage and divorce and longing and loss with questions he's too afraid to answer. So I've asked some sons and husbands and fathers and friends to help me to share some of their stories. And today's guest, originally from New Orleans, now living in Portland, Oregon, where he is the current poet laureate of Oregon. A man after my own heart, a poet, the poetry man, the author of six books. He has his first children's book coming out and his latest poetry collection, The Tigers They Let Me. I love that title. But check this out. The weight of the book is really centered on how does love with others allow us to love ourselves? Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to talk to Anis Mojgani on Why Fathers Cry, the podcast. Let's get it, people. Anise, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me, Kwame. Thank you very much. Wow. Just reading your bio makes me realize how much we have in common. Yes. So you're from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I spent last summer in New Orleans in oppressive heat. That is what it is known for in the summer. <laughs> Between May and August. We were filming the first season of The Crossover on Disney+. Plus. Oppressive heat and the possibility of hurricanes. <laughs> it's right? like the worst time to be in New Orleans, perhaps. The worst <laughs> and the hottest. And also the best of times because I got married in Metairie. That's not New Orleans, but it's adjacent, right? Yeah. So you got married just this past summer down there? Nah, man. So, so now I'm jumping back further in time. <laughs> I got married on May 20th, 2000 in Metairie, Louisiana. And I understand that you, my friend, got married in the place I walked every day this past summer. Tell me about your wedding. Yeah, uh, my, my wedding was, was awesome. I got married Labor Day weekend. And one of my friends, like, afterwards, <laughs> he said... I had such a fun time at the wedding. I just, I didn't know what, what was going to happen next, you know? <laughs> what do you mean? Because it's like, we had like um, uh, a few friends who are poets uh, share work. And uh, these are poets who uh, are not always necessarily the most stereotypical and traditional ones. So it was just like a joy to hear them. Okay. And then like my friend Derek, who is just like a very wild, funny beautiful souled poet of a human being uh officiated and uh our our rings were inside of a pinata that we couldn't get over the branch so oh, Derek wow. just had to hold out at arm's length while we took swings with like an official mexican pinata stick and uh my my betrothed at the time like ended up sending the rings flying which could not be found at first. Oh my goodness. It was just like a beautiful, fun time, but it was that, that heat aspect is so funny. Cause it's like, I mean, like, so we were at Ottoman park and coincidentally enough, like probably a mm, hundred, 200 feet from where back in 1969, my parents 
sat in this little gazebo and decided that they would get married. So it's just like funny, but like, it was so hot that day. And like, my friends were all like, oh, I can't wait. Well, once this is over, we can go to the reception. We'll finally get to get cool. They get to the reception and it's also outside, like in the backyard of a friend's house. And Derek, he just, he just was walking down the streets of New Orleans shirtless because it was just too hot, you know? Wow. Like, uh, yeah, so, 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 so I applaud you for, for getting to spend four months in New Orleans summer heat. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a brave, a brave soul you are. Man, your wedding sounds like just a story of a lifetime. So was it on the golf course? Was it near the pond? I mean, where was it? It it wasn't like anything particularly like special in itself. Like, I mean, it was, it's a, it, it's just sort of like a big patch of grass with a circular walkway around it. Oh yeah. 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 And like when I was younger, I believe that that was part of like the waterway that's in Audubon Park. And it ends at, there was like this little bridge with this like fake rock waterfall when I was a kid. And at some point, like they grassed over that part of the waterway. Okay. So like, it used to just be like a place that we used to go as kids all the time. Like we loved going there. It had just like this like little stone bridge and waterfall, like very much like out of a storybook. And so it's like for 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 me it it had the shadow of 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 a lot of relation to 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 my childhood. Um but it's just like a very simple beautiful non non uh 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 not not very like vocal in its presence field of grass. And uh but it was nice you know it's like we got we got wed and then like for whatever reason took a victory lap around this walkway. So yeah, it was, it was just a good time. It was a good time and great eats afterwards, you know, just a beautiful day. So look, this is like a romantics dream come true <laughs> to have this kind of wedding. And, and so, you know, I often tell my friends and people, random people, I'll say it randomly. I am in love with love. Mm-hmm. I am a lover of love at heart. I am a romantic and it sounds to me, Anise, like you are the same. Very much so. Tell me about that. You know, I'm a person, I think, that yearns for love. Not even so much that, like, I yearn for love towards me, but I yearn for love to exist. I yearn for those who want love to be loved. And I include myself in that. And um, and so it's like, I, I think I've always carried like a romanticism in me um, while at the same time, like really not knowing what to do with that and how to, 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 to be with that. Cause at the same time, like, you know, it's like uh, uh, to reference the, the famed Groucho Marx quote about like not wanting to be part, be a member of any club that would have me be a member of it, you know, like, and it's not so much like that, but there is this aspect where what is it about when uh, love presents itself? We very often become frightened by this like engagement with intimacy, this engagement with vulnerability. And so, yes, I'm very much romantic. And also at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't know, know what to do with this, this thing that, that I want to stand next to and that I want it to stand next to me, you know? Yo, 
I feel that completely. And I think when I answer that question, the reason why I am a romantic, a romanticist, has everything to do with my mom, mm. who sashayed around the house listening to Nancy Wilson sing, who always seemed like she was just filled with this kind of beautiful passion and compassion that I never saw my dad reciprocate on or with. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't because I wasn't privy to all that stuff. I just saw what happened out in public. Yes. And I never got to see them hold hands. Mm -hmm. So I haven't necessarily known what to do with that passion, but I tried to just be in it, live in that moment. And, you know, I've been overly compensating for it in so many ways. And so I wonder, where do you think yours, where did that passion, that romantic nature come from? I mean, I, I, I do think that there's aspects that, you know, come from, from my parents and uh, my mom particularly. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think like, you know, the, that, the, the, that there's so much truth in the psychological philosophies that deal with um, our primary and first impressions of relationships you're getting deep on me now hold up <laughs> let me say that you're getting deep primaries and secondaries well, just just like you know like our first impressions of what love is and what a relationship is mm-hmm. what love is, is is through our mother right and um uh and whatever the relationship of of our parents is or isn't is the the the, the, the first understandings of what that that looks like and what that can be, you know? So of course, like there's, there's like a huge part of me, you know, it's like, as I, after, after my marriage uh, was over and I was like, started my, my relationship with therapy, there was like, I was like, Oh, there's so much of this that feels just like textbook, you know, like I, I unequivocally am constantly finding myself drawn towards women that are not, not my mom, Uh but I think, exhibit similar patterns within the relationship that her and my father have. Wow. And so thus like me seeking to mimic or shadow or better understand what my like young impressionable reality of what a relationship is, applying that to my own life and my own existence. Um, and so it, because it, 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 you know, it, it, it felt very much like, Oh yes, this, 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 this happens continuously. And, um, you know, and I think a lot of that relationship then to, to love very much stems from, um, from these two people. Ah. But I think also like, you know, for whatever reason, you know, perhaps it's because of them. I don't know, like that, you know, the, not necessarily like the stereotypical, like romance of, of story, but definitely like the romanticism that, 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 that stories carry. I mean, we grew up with stories. Like they were just like uh, 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 the most present thing in our household. And so, you know, I I think one can't help but be affected of wanting whatever a story might be. Absolutely. You know, and there's like a million different stories of of, of how love love comes to us, but wanting a story connected to our love, you know, like, so, so I I, I think that's a big part also as to, um, where my romanticism comes from. But of course, like stories, they, they ultimately came from my mom, you know? So. Right. I feel you. 
and I hear you. And I think, I think when I date or when I'm falling in love, I am trying to give this love, this passion, reciprocate in a way that I would have wanted my mom to receive or how, how I thought she should have received love. That makes complete sense. And that's also just like a beautiful thing, you know, like what are, what are the ways in which that we like, I think like, you know, I was writing, I was having a lot of reflections over this last year about, about vulnerability in my heart. (laughs) And, uh, the, uh, you know, one of the things that I arrived at was that like, I think that very often I fall in love with people that it's not even so much that like I am falling in love with this person, but the child that I was who exists inside of me still is drawn towards the child that I see inside of this other person. And that, uh, that, that, that both those children, you know, see in the other, Mm. the thing that they needed, Oh wow! you know, the thing that they wanted needed as a child, as a child, you know? And so I think like there's, 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 often and constantly i think with love what are the things that we are seeking to rewrite mm-hmm. whether it's like for ourselves or for others you know like in in is is this a situation in which that i can get or give a love that like i did not get or i or somebody else that i saw was not able to receive um can i recreate that situation to rewrite history you know you know, can you rewrite that history to give essentially your mom the love that you felt like she wasn't able to like get from another person, you know? Um, so I think, you know, I think that that's like a, a truth and I think it's a beautiful truth. You know? Yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. <laughs> we will be right back. I've been to thousands of bookstores all over the country, but one of my all-time favorites is Brain Lair Books. This is the crown jewel of bookstores, y'all. Nestled in South Bend, Indiana, owned and operated by the amazing and wonderful and indefatigable Kathy Burnett. And I'm not just saying that because she carries my new memoir, Why Fathers Cry at Night. Kathy knows books. She was a school librarian and teacher for 16 years before opening Brain Lair. And she's made it her mission to provide books that uplift, inspire, entertain, and empower. Head to BrainLairBooks.com and pick up some of my recent favorites, including School Trip by Jerry Craft and Salito by Javier Zamora. Or get your hands on Kerry Washington's just-released memoir, Thicker Than Water, at BrainLairBooks.com. Use the promo code Kwame, K-W-A-M-E to receive 10% off your first order at Brain Lair Books, the official bookstore partner for the Why Fathers Cry podcast. So, Anise, how did you meet your wife? What year was this? Tell me, tell me how this happened. It was uh, 2008, probably about like six months after we had first met. I was in Texas and she was in Florida. We found ourselves just like, talking every night uh she was like hey I, I i need to leave florida and i was like you should come to austin she's like will it be weird i was like i don't know maybe <laughs> i mean like we both admitted that we like liked each other even though like it 
We had spent zero time together, basically. That's basically like really romantic, Anise. Here we go. The way we came together was a very like modern romantic thing, you know? Right. She showed up in Austin. It was not weird at all. Like it was like immediate, mm. you know? And like a week later, we were both in, in Michigan um, to do a show. Let's like see how we feel once we like see each other again in Michigan. In cold ass Michigan. <laughs> Not hot Texas. <laughs> and so we're in Michigan and like, uh, you know, she was like, yo, I didn't know what I was doing when I got on the airplane, but like I had this feeling that this is the person I'm going to marry. And I said like, you know, I I didn't know what to expect either, but I had the same thought. And we both like recognized we were in love with each other and that we were probably going to marry each other. Dated for like a year and a half. And then I moved down to Austin and we got married. Wow. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's how it came together. You know, and it was like, it was just like, I, I, I'd, I'd been in love, but I'd never felt anything like that before. You know, like sure. I remember getting back home to Portland and like calling my mom to tell her that I like met a girl, Right. you know, I'd never done that in my life, you know, like always pulled my sleeves down over my heart, you know, mm. at least with regards to like, a person that I wasn't in a relationship with, you know, to others, you know, that it's like, uh, I don't want them to know that, like, I love somebody, you know, uh, but like, I wanted everybody to know, you, you know, like, I do, I do. And I'm going to, I'm going to need a poem from you because you talked about doing shows and, and presumably you're talking about spoken word or poetry shows. I wrote my then girlfriend a poem every day for one year and faxed her. This was, this was like right before email. So I was faxing her poems to her job. And that was sort of the way that I wooed her. And cause I ain't have no money. I was a broke writer. You know, I have no car, had to walk to her house, but I wrote her a poem every day for one year. And to this day, I believe that was sort of the reason that she fell for me. I'm going to need to hear a poem, Anise. I mean, I feel like, is there a poem from that era, from that time about her or about you all or about something that, that you feel comfortable sharing? There's a, there's a poem that I came across last night that I'd forgotten about that I was like, oh, I think I actually want to put this into my book. You know, it speaks to after. The thing about spoken word poets and performers is that you can ask us to do a poem and we don't necessarily have to pull out our phone or a book because so many of those poems are in our head because we were on stage doing this stuff at a moment's notice. <laughs> the, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's young Anise. 45-year-old Anise uh, has far less poems in his head. You know, this is a newer poem. Okay. And like, it spe it, so it speaks, I think, you know, like both sides of that coin. Got it. You know? Got it. It's called Snow and Cardamom. What a powerful tree it was. So green, it's young and becoming leaves were. And still turning greener, there were birds flying towards it. I will work to leave the tree where it was. Even if we are not there, the birds will one day arrive. It will be okay if you do not believe we planted it. I know your hands were there in the dirt with mine. It will be one day, be okay, that you had to leave to wash your palms. It will one day be okay. You had to trade my arms for the soap. I know that you loved the warm smell of our earth. 
I know the bodies we are given in some parts of our life are harder to carry than in other parts. It will be okay if I do not travel ever again through that land, where in the gray and singing wind the tree sways softly. I know it sways. I know the rain falls there. I know the sun touches the dark clouds and the seasons pass through each one of them visiting with the tree's quiet body for a short spell of cardamom and snow. It will be okay if I never see what fruit still grows from the tree's heart. I know our trees will be here a long time, longer than you or I or any of us will be. Like the light falling from out the stars, the soil shifting through our bones, the eternal machine of night and day still turning, the cherry pits split and cracking open, bursting forth orchards into a quietless world. And amongst the noise, the sound of their fruit falling like a gift, and their shape taken over time, giving shade from the sun to any who need to sit and in the bright light open their eyes and rest their heads. to honor the thing that, that, that it was and at the same time acknowledging that it won't be that anymore Yeah. but we, we will remember and we will reflect and we will be okay yes which uh, at least for me has always been like the largest challenge you know of like how to you know I'm a person who, who, who holds on a lot yeah me too. Uh, I look back a lot. Mm-hmm. Very sentimental, very nostalgic. It's a part of the romance, man. It's a part of the romantic and the it passion. It is, exactly. It's, it's both sides of it. So the challenge is always like how to keep those things when uh, there's sometimes just sort of like a membrane of ick, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Between that which was good and that which is now, you know? And uh, one can one can just learn to let go and not hold any of those things. That's tough. Which I think is good and fine. Sure. But like, but I also am the person that I am and I want to, I want to hold the things that were good. Like, cause, cause also it's like, what's the, what's the point of like, you know, if every situation in which we love is another opportunity for us to grow in a greater capacity and a greater understanding of what our love is, then like, uh, if I cast out, everything that I got from that experience, then like I'm back at square one. You're back at square one. With the next one, you know, like, Mm. no one wants that. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) After 23 years of marriage, my wife and I came to the decision, the conclusion, the realization that wow, or I don't want to put words in her mouth. I know I came to this conclusion that while we thought we were lovers who happened to have a really strong friendship, it turned out that we were best friends who loved each other. Yeah. So loving someone and being in love and having that passion we've been talking about are two different things. They're two different things. You know, we did a lot of wonderful things. We, we created a beautiful, beautiful daughter together. We built a business together. And then once all those things were done, we looked and said, well, what, what about us? What do we do? Hmm. What, what happened to us? We don't. And so that's the short version. And, and we ended up, uh, you know, going down the road of divorce. This is all very, very new for me. And so 
I'm wondering if you're comfortable, like how long did the marriage last and, and, and whatever you want to share about it. Yeah. So we came together in 2009 and got married in 2011. And then in 2014, marriage was sort of like, just not, not good. Mm-hmm. And then we were officially divorced in 2015, you know, so like the marriage itself was three, four years. Right. And together completely for five, six years. It was hard, you know, like for, you know, for me, like I don't have any type of relationship with that person anymore. Oh, really? That's kind of like the larger sadness of it all, that a person that I've loved perhaps more than any other person. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that love takes shape in, in, in so many different ways. And so like, you know, with regards to kind of like a romantic type of love or partnership, a type of love um, that uh, loving that person in that way. And yet to not be able to have like any type of continuing of anything. And some, sometimes even after all these years, it's, it's sometimes like uh, hard to, to talk about it. Not like, as in like, Oh, this is like too emotionally hard, but it's like the, uh, yeah, man, like, I know, like, dudes suck, you know? Like, men suck. Not all of them, but, like, like, like the way in which that, like, society shapes us and grows us and rewards us creates an improper machine mm. when it comes to men, you know? Right. And at the same time, I will also say that, like, uh, I was a really good husband and i was a really good partner you weren't that guy i was a good person to my person right and that's not to say that like i was perfect by any means of course not you know and and so that there was like essentially there was a a a level of of hurt and harm um committed by the person that i was married to Mm. um to me to our relationship that uh, still like makes it hard to say like, hey, uh, I, I'm not just the jilted husband. You know, there there was like a a, a level of of, of um, levels of betrayal that were just like really really challenging. This person being someone that I loved very much, I also, you know, one of the things that made that time so hard was like coming to the realization of what was happening in my marriage was also one that I had to wrestle with like an understanding of what the person I was married to potentially was wrestling with themselves, you know, and the ways in which that like our paths, our traumas, our experiences, when not dealt with, when not addressed, when not grown from impact, whatever it is like we are currently doing. And so, you know, that was, that was the case of, 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 you know, trying to make sense of pain and hurt inside of me while also trying to make space for the understanding of like the pain and hurt inside of this person. And so, yeah, you know, like it, it, it definitely was a really, really dark and hard period for a spell, but also ultimately like, I don't know, there's the, uh, the days in my life when it, something of it surfaces and the only way that it is held is sort of like through the lens of this poem that I just shared. 
love is hard. Love is hard. <laughs> love is hard. Hey, look, you know? was it was it your decision to? It wasn't. Be able. Oh, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. So you, you know, wanted like, to reconcile. I loved being married. I loved my wife. I loved our life. You know. I mean, I didn't like the way that I felt. Sure. You know, sure. I didn't like the way that I was being treated at that juncture. But like, I also wanted to make the space for like, because it's like, whatever it is, that's like happening inside of a marriage. Like if there's like bad things that are happening, if two people are like, poor to one another, mm-hmm. you know, like with most things, um, it's not it's not always necessarily that the marriage is the thing that is the problem. The problem inside the marriage is symptomatic of what something else is that's happening inside a person, inside two people. Okay, got it. And so it's like I very much wanted to make the space for what what is at the root of this? You know, whether or not we stay married or not, like what's at the root of this and 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 how can we like solve this? How can we fix this? How can we grow? You know? And that's not what was wanted. Sure. But yeah, at that time, it was not the thing that like that I wanted. I, I, you know, I was like ready to just sort of like, I'll, I'll, I'll go so deep into the earth to figure this out. Right. You know how how long do we got to travel through this like dark unknowing to come out on the other side? I'm down. You know, there's a a strength and a power and a beauty in what what at times we have to travel through to arrive at where we want to get to and where we're going to. And then other times like that journey and that travel, the the tribulations of it are not lesser than what the end result is. You know, it's not worth it. Um, but at that time I was like, I'll carry whatever weight, you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, man, I'm sorry that you, you know, that you had to deal with that or that, you know, that you went through it. It's, I know it's life and life is life is full of woe. I, I appreciate that, Kwame. Yeah, but I just know, I know some of the feeling, not of the specific situations you described, but just, I know the feeling. Divorce, uh, the parting of lovers is a kind of slow death. It is. And there, there's a major grief involved. And I know I know that. And, and I'm, I, I, and you know, I'm so sorry that you are experiencing that now and that that's a knowledge that that you know you know yeah because it's you know no matter what the shape of of um of a relationship and no matter the shape of relationships in you know it's like you were saying there's just like there's a sadness to a parting of lovers you know yeah um yeah yeah and so yeah i'm sorry you're going through this Thank you. Thank you. I have decided and we both decided, you know, for our daughter, for the amount of time that we spent together, for the good things, for the good times that we are going to make every attempt to remain friends. That's beautiful. That's our goal. And in each episode, I usually will share a poem um, at the beginning. And of course, we at the end now and you've given us a beautiful poem are you are you going to share a piece though? I I think this may be apropos um to to close us out. It's called Instructions for Leaving. Once the earthquake is settled, accommodate the anger. Let it move in. Fix it dinner. Then put it to bed. Part as partners in wonder. Stargazers discovering possibility. 
two people who dreamed a world yesterday. Keep a room in your heart. Do not let your tomorrows explode. Pay attention to memory. Honor the naughty and the jubilant, the storm that felled you, but also the rainbow. Be neighborly. Have less thunder in your mouth. Make a joyful noise. Do not waste time as rivals, erstwhile lovers who no longer laugh. Play the new music of your life softly like a sunrise mission. Mourn the changing season. Step out into what you have lost and accomplished. Have afternoon tea and talk about it. Remind each other to leave something behind that makes you smile. Leave something behind that makes you smile. Now, go be grateful. Ah, so lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Anise. Thank you so much for for sharing and being open and and just it's good to talk to a you know uh, a, a, somebody who's got a similar sort of soul. <laughs> you know, like we we're gonna be we're gonna find we're gonna be in love, man. It's and it's gonna be beautiful, and we're gonna find it. <laughs> I believe it. I'm excited to uh, uh, to sit across from one another in person to break bread together. For real. For real. Very much so. All right, y'all. This has been a, a an eye-opening and a touching and a soul-stirring conversation. And I'm I'm just so, so honored. So, so honored, Anise, to be able to talk to you. Oh, it's reciprocal. And I hope to see you in Portland. Yes. This is uh Why Fathers Cry, the podcast. I'm Kwame Alexander. We'll catch you another time. Be loved, love. Stay blessed. One love. Peace. Why Fathers Cry is a Big C Entertainment production. Hosted by Kwame Alexander. Produced by Sarah Grace McCandless. Studio audio engineering by Edgar Diaz. Post-production by Jeremy Brisky at Burst Marketing. Theme music, St. State Street, composed by Joshua Gabriel and Bryant Terry. Learn more at whyfatherscry.com. Special thanks to our guests, our sponsors, and to you for listening wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you.